The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Good morning. It's good to be back home. Uh, Last Sunday I was in New Jersey. Let me think, would I rather be in New Jersey or Santa Barbara? Uh, It's good to be home. On the day of judgment, um, we really uh, will not have some lawyer, uh, some public defender appointed for our case uh, to argue our case, to defend us, to justify us with what we did. So we are very fortunate in the Gospels that our Lord frequently tells us what we need to do to inherit eternal life. He frequently suggests to us not only what the values of the kingdom are, but how we might fulfill them in this life. We are fortunate to have this. Sometimes it doesn't seem like we have the resources to fulfill all the things that he has asked us to do. Uh, Forgive me any lawyers that may be in the crowd. Today we hear in in our epistle that we will be supplied with everything that we need. We heard, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your resources and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And that is what it is about. It is about us going and doing those things of the kingdom. And in order to go and do those things of the kingdom, as I have often said, have to have kindled in our heart a fire of zealous love for him. And from that love, we both think and do those things that are well-pleasing to him. May that spark be kindled in our hearts. St. Theresem of Sarov taught us that God is a fire that warms and kindles the heart and the inward parts. And so, if we feel in our hearts coldness, which is from the devil, for the devil is cold. Let us call upon the Lord, and he will come and warm our hearts with perfect love. Perfect love, not only for him, but for our neighbor as well. Catch that. Perfect love, not only for God, but for our neighbor as well. Now, if you're looking for a loophole at that point, if, if you might turn to your public defender lawyer and, and say to him, who is my neighbor for whom my heart should be warm? We might ask that question. We might find ourselves asking that question even if our hearts are otherwise warm. We might be looking for a loophole. Around the time I'm in Russia, in another place in Russia, at the Monastery of the Holy Trinity, there was a brown bear who came daily to the cell of the monk Sergius. And though the monastery, like many Christian communities, had rather meager supplies, St. Sergius shared his portion, his food, with the bear every day when the bear came to his cell. And some of the brothers grumbled that the bear was dangerous and that the bear frightened them. And anyway, there wasn't enough food to go around. 
for all the monks, for all the righteous of the community. Why are you sharing it with this bear? The bear came just for the food. And Sergius, Sergius, you're encouraging him. And if you feed him, maybe more bears will come here. And then we will have an even greater problem than we have today. St. Sergius was warm-hearted toward even the creature, toward even the critter, toward even that grizzly bear. Even to the bear. Can it be that the hungry one, the grizzled one, the one who out of his suffering threatens me as I pass by him, can it be that such a grisly one, such a rough one, such a dangerous one is my neighbor, the neighbor on whom just perhaps my judgment depends? So often with the lawyer in the gospel, we find ourselves asking, who is my neighbor? And it's not just... Um, uh, Mr. Rogers, who are the people in my neighborhood, in my neighborhood? We're asking it with a more pointed question. We're asking it for, to find a loophole. We seem most comfortable when we define the relationships that we have to others around us in terms of circles. Circles that have distinct borders and defensible space. Think of the security settings that we think defend us on Facebook and the security settings that we think defend us on Google Circles or any of those other uh, internet network kinds of things that we do. We think we have defensible circles within them and of course they get penetrated when we aren't looking. We have in the closest circle our family and then perhaps if we are fortunate, a well-chosen circle of friends. Usually not the ones who disagree with our opinions, because of course then we can unfriend them if they disagree with our opinions. We unfriend them and put them out of our circles if there's a disagreement or a challenge just perhaps, or if they correct us perhaps. The people in our geography all around us, on our block, at work, in school, in town, we relate to them as we pass by them with a sort of protective reserve. We don't come up necessarily and warmly greet that one that we bump into. On a walk downtown, we may pass by hundreds without even making eye contact, especially if we're not looking up our iPhones. At the Los Angeles airport or in a crowded stadium, or perhaps on the mean streets of Isla Vista, I might jostle my way through 10,000 coming and going. Who among them is my neighbor from among those tens of thousands that we jostle by? We are coming now to Advent. In the mystery of the Incarnation, the Son of God came down to the estranged race of us human beings. He came down as our neighbor. He looked down from heaven 
and could not endure to see us left as we were, bruised and bloodied by the assault of sin. His heart was warm toward us, even when we were hostile toward him. Wrap yourself around that. God's heart was warm toward you, though you were hostile toward him. And so what did he do? Did he think about it? Did he come up with, a, with an idea about it? He acted about it. And he acted swiftly about it. He went out of his way for us. He left where he was for us. He crossed the street for us. He did not stay on his side of the street. He crossed the street for you as you lay bruised and bloodied. In his compassion for us, he became like us. In solidarity with us, he took our weakness on that he might give us the power to come with him to his Father. The Father so loved us that he gave his only begotten Son. We were not any in any way, by any examination, the neighbors or the friends or the family of God at that point. But God sent his son to come down to us to be our neighbor. Like the Samaritan, and many of the icons that show the Good Samaritan are really showing the Lord coming and lifting that broken and bruised one onto onto his donkey. Like the Samaritan, he showed compassion on the members of an alien and an enemy tribe, an illegal alien enemy tribe. He came and showed mercy on us, we who were in rebellion, who were lawless against him. He came to us and showed mercy. He healed and bound the wounds of us who caused his wounds. He paid for the provision of our lodging in the mansions of the kingdom at the great cost of his very own life by the shedding of his own blood. And after he had paid that terrible price, he instructed the church to be an innkeeper. We are that innkeeper. The metaphors, the similes, the allegories in this parable are pretty clear. Not a lot of dispute, not a lot of wiggle room. We are the innkeeper here. And we to care for broken ones who ones. Do we priests cross the road like our high priest to heal the broken? Do we cross the road? Do we lawyers embrace the holy work of innkeeper to advocate and to care for the broken stranger? Jesus passed these tasks on to us. He didn't keep them for himself. He didn't complete them in a, in a sense. He left them to be completed by us for that task. He bore our broken humanity, pouring oil on our wounds, and he carried us to a safe place. Since we have been cared for in this way, who then now 
is our neighbor. In the light of the incarnation, we Christians can never again define neighbor by narrow tribal or racial or cultural boundaries. Being of the same language, color, or political party, or economic status, or opinion cannot define the neighborhood of the kingdom of God. The neighborhood of the kingdom of God where we are is bigger than us. Our neighbor is everyone that the Lord puts in our way on the road. We cannot, we must not screen and choose our neighbors. God sends them to us for our salvation. We ourselves accept and enter into the very reality of the incarnation only when we respond to the warmth of compassion that the Lord puts in our hearts and only when we choose to act on the impulse of the warmth that he puts there in the similitude of the compassion that he had for us. Did you catch it that I said only twice? I believe that. And I believe it's defensible scripturally from the fathers and from everybody else if you want to read it, if you want to hear it. The Lord doesn't often say, do likewise. He did here. Unless we act like the incarnate Christ, then we truly have seen him, and we really better not be claiming that we represent him in any way in this world if we don't act like him, if we don't do like him. Jesus says to all of us lawyers, with all our reasons not to act, show mercy like the Samaritan. Go, he says, and do likewise. Do kindness, because kindness has been done to you. When he has said, do likewise, do we dare to do otherwise? He has said, do this. Do we dare to do other than what he has said? For as the Theotokos herself said at the wedding at Cana, to the, uh, there, whatever he said to do, do it. I used to tell my Baptist mother and father that that was the command of the Blessed and it used to get them all, get them all nervous. But then they be begin to follow the command of the Blessed Virgin Mary themselves. Go, and whatever he says to do, do likewise. Whatever he says to do, do. If we do likewise, hypothetically, if we were to do likewise to what he has said to do, best the ability that we have, the world would hear the gospel far better preached than all of the eloquence of all of the preachers and all of the teachers and all of the professors and all of the seminarians and all of the philosophers that have tried to explain it. If we preached it by doing likewise, the gospel would be preached, even more than our architecture, even more than the, the, 
the churches, the beauty of our vestments, the beauty of the icons. If we did what he said to do, the gospel would be preached. You want outreach and evangelism? You want church growth? Practice charity. Practice charity. Again, here's St. Seraphim. God is fire that warms and kindles the heart and the inward parts. Let us call upon the Lord and he will come and warm our hearts with perfect love, not only for him, but for our neighbor as well. For when our hearts are warmed by God and we act upon it, and when our neighbor sees that we love him, our neighbor, our neighbor will find that fire kindled within him. Our neighbor will be warmed by the love of God. Send down that fire, O Lord. Kindle in our hearts a fire of zealous love for you. And from that fire, may we both think and do those things that are well-pleasing to you. To the glory of God the Father.